We're going to kick off a new series today that I am really excited about. It's been in my notes for a while. Um, This idea of misunderstood, misused, misinterpreted, misquoted, and misapplied verses in the Bible. Verses of Scripture that we hear all the time that I do not think means what you think it means. I ought to coin that phrase. I do not think it means what you think it means. And I I feel like what we're going to try to learn here from this series is that a lot of times we take for granted what other people tell you the Bible says. And it's a good idea for you to kind of go back and cross-reference that and check it out for yourself. Because we may be basing the advice that we give other people and what we apply to our own lives on something that maybe the Bible didn't say. Or maybe it didn't say the way you said the Bible said it. And this is a perfect example. So like next week, we're going to talk about the verse, judge not, that you be not judged. If it weren't for Facebook, I would not even know what that verse said. I mean, it's all over the place. Anytime someone has an opinion about something else that somebody else did, oh, judge not that you be not judged, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Not, yeah, it's not, it's not what you think it means. So that's next week. This week is kind of another one of those kind of verses. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he made this statement, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. That's a broad brush. That's a pretty... Open invitation. Anything means anything. I mean, it's in red letters. Jesus said it. So it has to be true, right? But how many of us have examples of unanswered prayer? I mean, things that really should have been answered. I mean, we could make a case, and we were right, and it shouldn't have been, or it should have been, or it shouldn't have happened, or it should have happened, or they shouldn't have died. I mean, we all have that. We all have examples of when Jesus Christ did not answer a prayer, and you probably even said, in Jesus' name, amen. We put that tagline on the end like this makes it official and this gets God's blessing and it gives me like a turbo boost in my relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. So obviously this verse isn't true. Or we just misunderstood. So before we go too much deeper into this study, I want to clarify a couple things. A couple thoughts to keep in mind. When you're reading any scripture. There's two ways to look into this. It's called exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis means this, that you are drawing out of the text 
the truth that's in there for you. You're, you're drawing your exo. It means out of. So you're, you're getting out of the text what God intended for you to get out of that text. And you're applying it in such a way that God saw, that, that God put it in there for. And then there's eisegesis. And eisegesis means you are reading into the text what you want to see. And I am so familiar with that. Because preachers do it all the time. Because you're trying to, it, it, you, you may be even trying to drive home a point that's true. And yet you pick a verse that maybe fits what you wanted to say, but it really wasn't what God was trying to say. And you can splice the word of God, right? And you can take a piece out of that verse and out of that verse and do that and all that. But we can take things and just manipulate them around. And I just want to make sure that we're not guilty of reading into Scripture what we're wanting it to say. So with that in mind, let me just give you a couple of things here. When you're studying Scripture, always understand the context in which you're reading. Because the surrounding verses and that, that idea that that chapter or that passage has might shed light on what that individual verse actually means. We take phrases out, right? We take a small phrase and we pull that out and we apply it in such a way that maybe it, not, it was never intended to be applied. So my suggestion is to, is to kind of, when you're looking at a passage of Scripture or a verse of Scripture, read what's before that verse of Scripture. Read what is after that verse of Scripture, Figure out who wrote it and maybe why they wrote it and when they wrote it and to whom it was written. Because that makes a big difference in why it's there and who it's intended to address. Also, interpret Scripture with other Scriptures. Because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And I know that seems kind of odd, but God's Word is true. And... and there are so many instances in the Bible where there are similar verses that address the same issue, and you can oftentimes get a better understanding of the issue over here than you had over here, and it's just a good idea to find other scriptures that reference the same point. And then, this is the most difficult. Could I ask you just to apply what you learn? I'm all about discovering new truths and and learning new things about the Bible. But knowledge for knowledge's sake may not mean what you think it means, and and, and knowledge for knowledge's sake may not actually get you to where you need to be spiritually. So my suggestion is when you learn a biblical truth and you learn something that is is, is a revelation to you or something, begin to apply it and work on applying it as hard as you work on trying to discover new truths in Scripture. Because the Bible is not necessarily a text to be studied, it's a letter to be lived. So, with that in mind, (laughs) let's look at the context of John chapter 14. If you've ever been to a funeral, you've probably heard this referenced, I go to prepare a place for you. That's in John chapter 14. I want to comfort you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to help you. Why is Jesus 
trying to comfort his disciples because he's about to go away. He knows he's about to leave. He's trying to tell his disciples, don't freak out. It's all part of the plan. I'm going to die. But I'm going somewhere to prepare you a place. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And then sandwiched in here, you have these verses. So this whole passage is not necessarily about prayer and about how to get stuff from God. This passage is about Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure. So let's reread this verse with Jesus as the center of this verse rather than you. So with that in mind, and whatsoever you shall ask, in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. It feels different. It's not about what you can get out of God. It's about you carrying on the work of Jesus Christ. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. I hate to tell you this, but the reason God answers prayer is not to make you happy. I know we're self-centered, and I know that's what we think. But prayer is not about what God does for me, but about what will glorify God. So as you pray, you have requests, and you use that phrase in Jesus' name, it's kind of like you're saying, if that glorifies God. If whatever it is that I'm asking will glorify you, I ask you to answer that. And if it doesn't glorify you, please don't do it. Even if it means it's tougher on me. Because ultimately it's about God and not about you. (laughs) We're not the main subject of the Bible. God is the main subject of the Bible. But we have a way of making the Bible all about us. So, what does the Bible say about prayer? In other words, what is important to God when we pray? What matters to God? All right, so let's get our priorities in order here. Let's figure out what it is that is important to God when we pray so that when we pray, we have a right understanding about how things ought to look. First of all, your relationships matter. Boy, this is going to get heavy real quick, all right? Your relationships matter to God when you pray. He says this in Mark chapter 11. He says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's a good place to stop, isn't it? Oh, but then he goes on. And when you stand praying, forgive. Because if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Isn't it amazing that in right in the middle of this verse about getting stuff from God and about prayer is, 
if you think of something that you need to forgive somebody for, you need to go make that right. And you need to forgive them because relationships are important to God. Okay, I didn't put it up here, but in 1 John chapter 4, the same John that wrote our text for today said that if you hate your brother, you don't love God. If you hate your brother, you cannot love God. So hey, how about let's just some personal inventory here. How are you doing with that? Is there somebody in your life that comes to mind? Relationships are important to God. In 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter said this, Likewise, <laughs> I hate this. Your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That means that my relationship with my spouse is a key component of me being in line with God so that my prayers are answered. It is not, prayer is not like a genie lamp that you rub and get everything you want. And it matters to God what your relationships look like. And here's the beautiful thing about it, is that when you are in, a, in an attitude of prayer and you are, and God brings somebody or something to your mind that you need to get taken care of and you take care of it, it's putting things in the right order in your life. And so it's not just about getting what you want from God. Okay, I need to make sure I'm right with everybody so he forgives me. I need to make sure I'm right with everybody so I get what I want from God. It's not, God is saying, I don't feel like I can move in your life until things are in order in your life. And putting things in order in your life gives you a better life to live. And so I would encourage you, make sure your relationships are right. Make sure you're treating each other well, because that matters to God. Also, your motives matter to God. Why you want it. I can't tell you how many times Melissa and I have been in the car. And that's a lot of money on those billboards. For a scratch-off ticket, or the lotto, whatever they call it. $143 million. It's almost worth it. God, I'll tell you what. If we win the lottery, we will help so many people. (laughs) And we will be sure to tithe and give you your 10%. Shoot, God, I'll give you 20%. And then we start dreaming about what we can do with 140. Okay, Uncle Sam's going to take half of it. So $71.5 million. So we're going we're gonna to figure out, okay, we're going to help our families out. We're going to do this. We're going to be able to build a new building. We're going to be all, all this great stuff. We don't really ever play the lottery. But it's funny how we are. We start making deals with God. Look what James says in chapter 4. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss 
that you may consume it upon your lusts. And that word lust can also say the word pleasure. Like you just, you want it for your own personal pleasure. Your motives matter to God. And it's not just financial motives. Like, okay, like Jesus condemned the Pharisees because they would pray out in public in front of everybody. And they wanted everybody to see their prayers and how spiritual they were. And Jesus condemned that kind of behavior because it was all about them and looking good. And God just hates that. Proverbs 16.2 says this, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. We have, we have the right ideas, right? But the Lord weighs the spirits. And here's what is very tough. Sometimes it makes all the sense in the world to us for God to answer this prayer. And God still doesn't answer the prayer. And I don't think it was because I was asking a bad thing or a wrong thing. But I'm not God. I'm just Eric. And it's probably a good thing I'm not God. And I don't always understand why God answers some prayer and God doesn't answer other. I don't know. I wish I did. In a church this size, there is, we have a long prayer list on the back of your bulletin. We got a lot of folks on that prayer list. And I wish God would just answer the prayers for those people. I'd love to see a shorter prayer list. I don't know why he doesn't. But God's still God. Your motives matter to God. And also this, I think it's, it's, it's true in Scripture that your, your faith matters to God. And this is something that I am excited about. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So this idea of faith has a significant impact on what God does and doesn't do. Now, God's still God, and if it's not what God wants to do, God's not going to do it. But, but my faith in God and my belief that he can and that he will do it has an impact on God. Because if I don't have any faith, God says, you're not going to get it. But if you have faith, then you might just get it. And again, that sounds like the whole genie and the lamp thing. I'm saying, if it is God's will and if you believe he can do it, you increase your chance of having your prayer answered. There's a beautiful childlike faith that God is looking for. Let's just pray about it. Let's just pray about it. Have you ever done that with a kid? Who has like this concept that, that God loves them and really wants to help and is going to... Kids just have faith that's like naturally built in. That we lose as we get older because we get more cynical. God is looking for a child-like faith. So, Melissa and I, 
we had a baby girl. Not like recently. You're like, what? Took us like five years to get pregnant. We've always had fertility issues. And she was a miracle. We thought we were never going to have babies. And God blessed us with Whitney. And then that was it. And every night from the time that she was old enough to start saying her prayers, Whitney would pray for a baby brother or a baby sister. And mom and dad wanted that probably more than anything in our lives to have additional children. And we prayed. But for eight years, Whitney would pray every night, every time she prayed for a little baby brother or a little baby sister. And we just couldn't have any more children. I don't know why God does that. And then we got a phone call. Asking if we'd be interested in adopting a little baby girl. And God gave us Kimber. Four, year, four days old. Let me tell you. I'm so glad that Whitney kept praying. And that Whitney didn't give up. Now there were some days after that Whitney wished she had never prayed. <laughs> you know how it is. Right? That eight-year difference began to creep up on them, and here Whitney is a teenager, and Kimber's like, you know, all up in her business. Yeah, that got old. But I'm so grateful for that childlike faith. And I don't know why God answered that prayer, but I don't think it was because of me. I think it was because of that beautiful faith that Whitney had. And there is something about childlike faith that God blesses. Our faith matters to God. Our faith affects God. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. That tells me that with faith, it's very possible to please him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 29 through 30, this is Jesus performing a miracle. Then touched he their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. It's almost like Jesus said, I got the power to do it. But your faith is like the valve that has to be opened up. And then I'll make the miracle happen. And their faith was such that it did. So, all right, Eric, so let me get this straight. If, if my relationships are good, and if my motives are good, and if I have faith, <laughs> then God's going to give me what I want, right? I'm going to be in good shape. And we hear it all the time. You know, see it, be it, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You can have whatever you want. Well, there's a fourth thing, and that is that God's will matters. So you can have the right relationships, the right motivation. You can have the faith. But the same John that wrote, John 14, our text, also said this in 1 John 5. He said, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything 
according to his will. He hears us. And we know that, that he hears us. Whatsoever we ask. And, and, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So here's this big, this big parenthesis. According to his will. Now John 14, 14 makes a lot more sense. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. So asking in Jesus' name is not a magic formula. It is allowing God the ability to perform his will and saying that we are okay with that. Because saying something in Jesus' name is both a privilege and a responsibility. Because when you say something in someone's name, whatever authority that gives you has to be used wisely. I don't know if you've ever referred anybody to anybody or recommended somebody use the services of somebody else. But there's some weight to that. You want that to be a good experience because you're the one who recommended them. And when we use Jesus' name, and he's given us that permission to do so, realize that that is not just a great privilege that we have. It's also a responsibility because we put our desires in check. And we are doing this on behalf of Jesus Christ in whatever will further his cause and his kingdom in our lives. Last week we rejoiced. With Fred, his prayer is gone. I mean, his cancer is gone. God answered prayer. But I know a half a dozen people in this room that still have cancer. I can't figure that out. I mean, come on. I'm a pastor. I have a direct line with God, right? I couldn't even say my own dad and my own mom from dying of cancer quickly. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I can't figure it out. And I don't understand it. And he left people here that are a lot worse people than my mom and dad were. But that's God. Because his will matters. And my faith in God doesn't depend on what he does for me. I wrote this down. Maybe it'll help. Believe he can. Believe he will. And if he doesn't, believe him still. Believe he can, believe he will, and if he doesn't, believe him still. Because my relationship with God doesn't depend on what he does for me and what he doesn't do for me. He's God, and I'm just Eric. And it may make all the sense in the world to me, but ultimately it's about what his will is for my life 
and the lives of the people that I am around. And my faith isn't based on him answering my prayers. Because prayer isn't about getting what you want. Prayer is about getting to know God. Man, that ought to sink in. Prayer is not about getting what you want. Prayer is about getting to know God. So if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Okay. Okay, so how does that help me get to know God? Because it helps me figure out what his will is for my life. It's not about him doing what I want him to do. It's about me figuring out what his will is for my life. And then I get to know God a little bit better. And if it's about my relationship with him, okay, have you ever had your kids ask you for something that you couldn't give them? Or you knew wouldn't be a good idea to give them? Hopefully that doesn't affect your relationship with them, right? If I could, I would. But that's not a good idea for you right now. And I wouldn't want that to affect my relationship with my girls. Just because I don't give them what they want. And that's not the relationship God wants to have with us. There is a beautiful prayer that God will answer every time, though. And in a church this size, I don't know everybody's walk. And I don't know what your relationship with Christ is or is not. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I believe this, that if you are here this morning, it's because you have an interest in the things of God. Whether or not you have already started your relationship with Jesus Christ or whether that has yet to yet happen. And the prayer that God answers every time without fail is the prayer of an individual wanting to begin a relationship with him. And folks, this is the most important part of the service right here. Because if you came here today and you're just kind of searching things out and you're seeking things out and you're just wanting to kind of figure out what you, where you stand with God, the prayer that God will hear from you this morning is, I need you in my life. And I want to start that relationship with you and begin that relationship with you this morning. There's no doubt that that's the prayer that God will hear every time. Have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. And thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for unanswered prayer. Thank you that you are God and we are not. And I pray, Father, you would just give us clarity to know where we need to work on our relationships. And I pray, Father, you would just give us the mindset that you would want us to have when we are coming to you in prayer. And help us to remember that it's about our relationship with you, not what we can get from you. And finally, Lord, if there is someone here this morning that is unsure of where they stand with you, or maybe this is interesting to them, but they don't know that they have a relationship with you on a personal level, they've never trusted you for salvation, they've never received you, enter the life, that this would be the day that that would happen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.